0: It is good to be with you all on this glorious Sunday morning in South Florida. On the church calendar, today is Transfiguration Sunday. It marks a unique happening in the public ministry of Jesus, and it is observed on the Sunday just prior to the beginning of Lent as a way of setting the tone or creating a context for our Lenten journey. Our text for today comes from the Gospel of Luke, chapter 9, verses 28 to 36, and I invite you to listen for the word of the Lord. Now about eight days after these sayings, Jesus took with him Peter and John and James and went up on the mountain to pray. And while he was praying, the appearance of his face changed, and his clothes became dazzling white. Suddenly, they saw two men, Moses and Elijah, talking to him. They appeared in glory and were speaking of his departure, which he was about to accomplish at Jerusalem. Now Peter and his companions were weighed down with sleep, but since they had stayed awake— they saw his glory, and the two men who stood with him. Just as they were leaving him, Peter said to Jesus, Master, it is good for us to be here. Let us make three dwellings, one for you, one for Moses, and one for Elijah, not knowing what he said. While he was saying this, a cloud came and overshadowed them. And they were terrified as they entered the cloud. Then from the cloud came a voice that said, This is my son, my chosen. Listen to him. When the voice had spoken, Jesus was found alone. And they kept silent. And in those days told no one any of the things they had seen. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Some of you may know that I grew up in the Finger Lakes region of upstate New York. Now I know that many people say that certain parts of the world or country are God's country, but the Finger Lakes region really is God's country. For those who haven't yet visited the Finger Lakes, they are a group of 11 lakes in upstate New York, named for their long, narrow shape, like fingers. My parents own a farm between two of those lakes, Cayuga Lake and Owasco Lake, where I grew up and where my parents still reside. My aunt and uncle owned a camp on nearby Owasco Lake, where we enjoyed many Family gatherings and activities, including boating, water skiing, cookouts, fishing, swimming, and skipping stones, to name a few. A few years ago, my family, my parents, aunts, and uncles, and cousins were all gathered together on the 4th of July at the camp on Owasco Lake. And as always, we enjoyed a wonderful day of swimming, skiing, boating eating my aunt Irene's homemade mac and cheese, and catching up with each other's lives. Now, no one likes to break up these gatherings, but eventually my cousin and her family were starting to pack up to go home. My youngest cousin, Timmy, was around five years old, and he had been in the water since they arrived. His mother said, Timmy, it's time to go. There he stood, on the shore of Owasco Lake with his big, brown eyes. My littlest cousin was shivering like crazy. His lips had turned blue. His little fingers were shriveled up like prunes. And he blurted out, ''But I'm not cold!'' (laughs) Timmy didn't want to leave. He wanted to stay in the water and play with his cousins. ''But I'm not cold!'' The lake water was probably 70 degrees, if we were lucky. In our scripture passage for today from Luke's gospel, like Timmy, Peter didn't want to leave. He wanted to stay with his buddies, so he blurted out something silly like, but I'm not cold. Peter's version was, hey, let's build little houses and we can all stay here on the mountaintop. In other words, I'm not cold. I'm not ready to leave. Peter's clumsy interjection, offering to make shelters and capture the moment, is an attempt to make the situation better by making it last longer. Peter's remark, it is good that we are here, must be the greatest understatement in the Bible. Then the voice from the cloud says, the only thing we ever need to hear, listen to him. The story is found in the Gospels of Matthew and Mark and Luke. Here in Luke, Jesus takes Peter, James, and John up a high mountain to pray. And while he was praying, his face changed and his clothes became dazzling white. The trio, Peter, James, and John, see the transfigured Jesus before their very eyes. His face glowed, and the clothes were washed in bleach. Then Moses and Elijah appeared, the great lawgiver and the great prophet, beside the shining Jesus, the fulfillment of God's promises. They were talking about the events which were about to happen in Jerusalem. And that's when Peter made his excited utterance. It's so good to be here today. Why don't I put up three dwellings and we can all stay here? Luke apologizes for Peter, saying he doesn't know what he's talking about. Now we have to keep in mind that right before Jesus takes the trio up the mountain, Jesus told the disciples that he would be betrayed and die. And furthermore, Jesus reminds them that discipleship might be really hard. So here on the mountain with the Messiah, this sounds a whole lot better than the suffering and death talk Jesus was speaking about a few days prior. Instead of getting a response to Peter's impromptu idea, they heard a loud voice saying, This is my son, my beloved. Listen to him. And when the three disciples looked up, the light was gone, and only Jesus was standing there. This Sunday's transfiguration text from Luke rests between passages that reveal how Jesus was not really heard. Jesus tells his disciples, that he will suffer, be rejected, be killed, and on the third day, raised from the dead. The disciples heard the words of Jesus, but they do not understand. In verse 45, after Jesus again foretold his death, Luke says that the disciples still didn't understand what he was saying. And explained its meaning was concealed from them, so that they could not perceive it. And they were afraid to ask Jesus about this saying. It's no wonder that God calls out from the mountaintop, listen to him, this is my son, my chosen. In a recent article on the transfiguration of Jesus by the editor of the Presbyterian Outlook, Terry Ott asks the readers, how many different ways do the disciples have to hear this message before they come to understand it? It's a rhetorical question, of course. And the editor clarifies with another rhetorical question. What does Jesus have to do or say before we really listen? Listen to him. We, too, hear the words. But how well do we understand? In Eugene Peterson's The Message, a paraphrase of the text, he writes, While Peter was babbling on like this, a light, radiant cloud enveloped them. As they found themselves buried in the cloud, they became Deeply aware of God. Then there was a voice out of the cloud. This is my son, the chosen. Listen to him. Did you catch it? They became deeply aware of God. And I think that's an important clue for us. As we enter the season of Lent, we are challenged To become more aware, more deeply aware of God, and to listen to Him. As I sat with the text, I thought about times when I haven't felt heard by others. I thought about times when I haven't listened well to others. And this one is tough. I thought about the times when I haven't heard God's voice or ignored it or didn't understand it or didn't like what I heard. In her article, editor Terry Ott offers these thoughtful questions for reflection. For just a few minutes... I invite you to recall a time when you were trying to communicate something important but didn't feel heard. What did that feel like? What did the other person do or not do that made you feel like they weren't listening? And now, recall a time when you didn't listen well. What were the consequences of failing to listen? Finally, in what ways do you currently try to listen to Jesus? What practices could you try to help you listen better? One of my favorite theologians, Henri Nouwen, provides help here, thankfully. Nouwen was a Dutch Catholic priest, professor, writer, and theologian. His interests were rooted primarily in psychology, pastoral ministry, spirituality, social justice, and community, and he's written several books. In 1986, Nouwen wrote a series of letters to his 18-year-old nephew, Mark, and they were published in 1987 in a book entitled, Letters to Mark About Jesus. Nouwen writes, How can we keep listening to this voice, the voice of Jesus, in a world which does its best to distract us and get our attention for seemingly more urgent matters? Now in highlights three things. First of all, listen to the church. I know that isn't a popular bit of advice at a time and in a country where the church is often seen more as an obstacle, but the church is the body of Christ. Without Jesus, there can be no church. Friends, this is also an invitation to get involved in the life of the church. Get connected. Use your gifts and talents. The church is the body of Christ. That's you all. Second, according to Nowen, listen to the book. By that I mean read the Bible. In addition, read books about the Bible, about the spiritual life in the lives of great saints. Many people are brought to God through spiritual literature that they chance or choose to read. Augustine, Ignatius, Thomas Merton, and many others have been converted through the book. Finally, listen to your heart. It's there that Jesus speaks most intimately to you. Praying is first and foremost, listening to your heart, listening to Jesus, who dwells in the very depths of your heart. He doesn't shout. He doesn't thrust himself upon you. His voice is an unassuming voice, very nearly a whisper, the voice of a gentle love. Whatever you do with your life, go on listening to the voice of Jesus in your heart. and explains, this listening must be an active and very attentive listening. For in our restless and noisy world, the loving voice of Jesus is easily drowned out. And finally, Nowen writes, you need to set aside some time every day for this active listening to Jesus, if only for 10 minutes. 10 minutes each day for Jesus alone can bring about a radical change in your life. Nowen then warns his nephew, you'll find that it isn't easy to be still for 10 minutes at a time. You'll discover that many other voices, voices that are very noisy and distracting, voices which are not God's, demand your attention. But if you stick to your daily prayer time, then slowly but surely you'll come to hear the gentle voice of love and will long more and more to listen to it. In his very sweet and personal letters to his nephew, Noun imparts the wisdom he has gathered during his life. He shared his life lessons about the three ways of listening as a way to help his nephew to grow deeper and reach wider in his faith, to have abundant life, life that is meaningful, purposeful, joyful, and eternal. Friends, it's a journey these things take time. Peter wanted to stay on top of the mountain, but of course he didn't. He and his buddies were called to the trenches to minister with those in need, to share the good news, all the while listening to God's direction, God's voice. Friends, it is good for us to be here today on what the church calls Transfiguration Sunday. This Wednesday, we will mark the beginning of the Lenten journey toward the cross with ashes. Bearing the sign of the cross on our foreheads, we wear Christ's claim on our lives, from birth to death, dust to dust, out into the world. It is no mistake That the transfiguration of Jesus immediately precedes our Lenten journey. Called down the mountain to take up our cross, we need the reminder that God doesn't live far off in the clouds, but dares to walk this earth with us and has thankfully chosen to include us in his story. So, my friends, Down the mountain we go to hear Jesus' words of hope and peace, to serve our Lord in a broken and hurting world. As we enter the season of Lent, we are invited to listen to him. We invite God to enter our whole selves, to transform us more and more into the image of Christ. Friends, life in the trenches gets scary and weary sometimes. And we are reminded that someone is standing in the cloud with us, shining so brightly that we may not be able to wrap our minds around, but who is worth listening to? Listen to him. Listen to the voice of Jesus in your heart. Can you hear it? Let's pray. Good and gracious God, we thank you for this odd and wonderful story of how you reach out and touch us in our brokenness. Help us to hear your voice. Help us to feel your presence. And help us to be present with you and others. Guide us down the mountain that we may be ambassadors of your grace, your love, your peace. Give us the strength and courage to follow on the path you set before us. In your name we pray. Amen.